Okay, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I'll be reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible word. Father, we thank you for your sweet presence by the Spirit. And would you allow this time of focused, spirit-empowered focus upon the gospel to continue from the songs to the teaching of the word. Do it, Lord. Get your hearts up into it, to the glory of your name. Amen. Those words of Paul, right there. I seek only the righteousness from God given to me that depends on faith that has led into this four-week series on the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Over the first two weeks, we have seen that the term to be justified, this, this act that God does, in the salvation of sinners called justifies them. It is a legal term in a courtroom that means God, the judge, declares the sinner to be righteous. And we have seen that that declaration of justified is based upon our sins being imputed to Jesus and punished on the cross, and of Jesus' righteousness, His perfect life lived, being imputed to our account. We are justified because we are in Christ by faith. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from my obeying the law of God, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, is a gift to me that depends on faith. Or the way Paul states this in Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified or declared righteous by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay. 
This is week three. And so this week, we tackle this question. Why is it only by faith that we're justified? Why is faith the only means for a sinner to be justified in Christ? Here's the sermon. Here's the answer to that question. This is the main point. It is because that faith in Christ is the only thing that keeps human boasting out of justification. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 3 again. And now notice what Paul says beginning in verse 27. After laying out justification by faith alone through Christ's work. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. Because it wouldn't be excluded then. It's excluded by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So why then? Okay, Paul says faith excludes boasting. Why is faith opposed to boasting? Let's go back to what leads up to this, right? This is the book of Romans. Paul begins in chapter 1 of, of Romans with what? Indicting all of humanity. Every single one of us have been born into sin, and that sin at its core means we all suppress the truth of God. The truth of the creator-creature relationship. Pretend it's not real. Pretend that I'm not dependent. I will make my own way. Thank you. And thus, we refuse in our sin to give glory and thankfulness to the Creator. That's chapter 1 of Romans. It's the essence of sin, which is pride. Boastfulness. Arrogance. It wants to take credit and be praised and admired. For the non-religious person, that sin, that, that, that pride in the heart, it acts itself out in, I will do what I please. Don't you give me any commands of right and wrong and how to live. And that's what Paul goes on to argue in chapter 1, isn't it? Not only do they do them, they, they praise others. Now the question is, how does that same sin of pride and arrogance manifest itself in religion? With religious people. Even with people who have the right book, the law of Moses. That same sin expresses itself even through Moses' law by boasting in themselves. with the law. And that's what Paul goes on to argue. In chapter 2 of Romans when he says, beginning in verse 23, you who boast in the law, you dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the nations because of you. Saul of Tarsus. 
He goes on in verse 9 of chapter 3 of Romans. Well, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Because we've been given the book. Answer? No. Not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and non-Jews, Greeks, were all under sin. And then in verse 19 of chapter 3, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God, because by works of the law, no human being will be justified in His sight. Because through the law comes a mirror, the knowledge of sin. So, that's where we've been the last couple of weeks. We are therefore all justly declared condemned by the court. And the question then is, how could any of us prideful, arrogant sinners be made right with God? And the answer is, God, He accomplished our justification without our help. And that's what we have seen over the last two weeks in Romans 3. He calls it redemption. Jesus paid the price of His bloody propitiation which, as Paul then writes there, which is to be not earned, but received by faith. Because it recognizes, as Paul, our example, we have no righteousness of our own. We don't. But I'm better than that notorious murderer. Yeah, the way that you have acted in life compared to them, you're better, but you have no righteousness of your own before God. Okay, now, it's Romans 1, 2, and 3, and now we're still in 3, and that's where verse 27 comes in, where Paul is the one who brings up the issue of boasting, pride. In other words, why does he bring boasting up now? The answer is because pride in us. In other words, having any reason for us to boast about any accomplishment of ours as Christians, that would be horrific. I'm a Christian, and now because I'm a Christian and you're not, I have a reason for me to boast, would defeat the entire purpose. Because boasting is at the essence of what human creaturely sins. Arrogance. Denying and suppressing the truth of God. Going our own way is the biggest problem in the human race. It's the core of what sin is. And so God, what did He do? He acted in history to save such sinners from the penalty of sin. Did, imputing our sins to Christ on the cross. It's not the only reason he saves sinners. Ultimately, and it is not done yet, but it will be done one day, he is after saving such sinners from the essence of that sin. Oh, one day, one day when we're raised from the dead, 
Jesus comes back. And the essence of sin is what? Pride, boasting, independence, arrogance. And therefore God saves, He justifies the sinner in such a way as to not involve us in the accomplishment of it that would give us any valid ground to boast. And so how will God then connect us to what we have seen the last two weeks? Double imputation, our sin to Christ, His righteousness to us. Well, it's not for everybody. Everybody will not be justified. For those who are, how will He connect them to that without causing them to be sinful in the connection? And the answer is through faith. That's it. If God says, I have provided eternal salvation and justification through the death of my son and through his righteous life, and I will freely give that to everyone. Well, not everyone. I'm sorry. Let's 50 people on the line here, and there's a 60-yard dash on your market set. Go. And only the first 10 I will justify. The other 40, sorry, he lost out. Those 10 would have something. To boast about. And that would defeat the entire plan of God. And so Paul's answer to the problem is right there in verse 27. Start at the end of verse 26, Romans 3. So that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? Our boasting. It's wiped out. It is excluded. And by what kind of law is it excluded? By a law of works? No! That's the essence of boasting. But by the law of faith. For we hold that a person, one, is justified by faith. Apart from works of the law. How is it excluded? By law of works? No. Paul means here that the very law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments and 800 and something others, the law of Moses would not exclude boasting. If that law actually taught, do these things in order that you will be justified. But the law of Moses would exclude boasting. If it taught that we are justified by faith which it does teach, and which Paul goes on to unfold in Romans chapter 4. And as he says here, by a law of faith. That's how all boasting before God is excluded. And so Paul says clearly in verse 27, what excludes boasting from salvation is that justification comes to us not by our performance of obedience to the law of Moses. But it comes to us by faith, trust in God, in His mercy which the law of Moses always taught. 
then what becomes of our boasting in the gospel of Christ? That a person is justified by faith alone, apart from any works. What becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. That's what becomes of it. How is it excluded? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We have to really grasp that. And why Paul is so dead serious about it. To understand, if we don't, that's why many of us Christians do not understand why Paul is so nitpicky with the Judaizers. Book of Galatians. Or in our context in Philippians 3, when he warns, look out for the Judaizers. Look out for those professing Christian men who teach that Jesus is the Messiah died for sins and was raised from the dead and you must have faith in him. Oh, come on, Paul. He says, look out for the dogs. And it's precisely here. Because their little twist was to agree with everything up to this point. We are justified by God's grace through faith. becomes not just a little difference. It's okay to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. It is the destruction of the one true gospel. Which is no gospel at all. If boasting is to be excluded from justification, then justification has to be not only by faith, but it has to be by faith alone, apart from any works of the law whether they're religious or moral, apart from any fruit of love towards others in your life. Scripture's clear, that faith will produce love, but there is a difference between saying the faith, when God's miracle, we'll see this next week, brings it about, you're justified. You can't be more justified. And there's no fruit yet. If, if you mix faith with the fruit, with obedience, which is required of all Christians to the moral law of God, if you mix them together, and now they are the means of being justified, then you have totally perverted God's purpose in excluding all boasting. Look what he says at the end of verse 28. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, read on. Because he helps us understand now that phrase, apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, Deuteronomy, the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's only one God. One creator, yes, since God is one, the one who 
will justify the circumcised by faith. And he'll justify the uncircumcised through faith. God is not the God of the Jews only. If doing the law of Moses is the way to be justified, then Gentiles who do not have the law of Moses are excluded from God justifying them. That's what he said. Now notice, in verse 30, Paul gives as an example of a work of the law, circumcision. And he says, those who do this work, they will be justified. But not by that work, but by faith. And he says, those who do not do this work, Gentiles, are also being justified by faith, apart from any obedience to Moses' law of circumcision. So, in the context, right here in Romans and throughout the book of Galatians, these two books in particular, on the doctrine, the core of the gospel of justification by faith alone, when Paul uses that phrase, work of the law, what he means is anything you do besides faith. Meaning, in order to, with the motivation of obtaining a right standing with God, becomes a work of the law, which is a nasty negative term if we translated that into the way that we Christians today use another word it would just say that's Paul's idea of what legalism is if you try to do anything besides trust in God's grace in Jesus Christ in order to get right with God then you're doing a work of the law you're still filled with boasting. Then Paul goes on in Romans 4, verses 4 to 5, to explain why works of the law do not exclude boasting. But faith does. Now to the one who works, his wages... Paycheck, what, they, what he's earned, they're not counted as a gift because they're not a gift. That's literally the word grace. They're not counted as grace. But they're counted of what's due. He earned it. You owe it. It's your obligation, God. Employer. And to the one, though, who does not work, but Here's the verb form of faith. But believes, but trusts in Him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is imputed, counted as righteousness. In other words, if you receive circumcision with a motivation. Remember how Paul said in Galatians, I tell you Galatians, they're teaching, you listen to it, and you Christian men now go on and become ceremonially circumcised in order to make sure you get to heaven to be justified. You have fallen from grace. You're severed from Christ. His whole point is, if you receive circumcision, 
Convert to kosher diet of the book of Leviticus. If you attend church every Sunday morning, you do much better. You don't steal anymore and you do not lie and you keep yourself away from sexual sin and you give 10% of all that you earn. And you do that as a way of obtaining justification, right standing before God, then what you get is not grace, but debt. What is due you? And it is sinful because at the core of it is boasting before God as a creature to the creator all of our working that's your stance before God calls attention to you the worker the worker always gets the praise I collected your trash. I do it every Friday morning. My kids know how much I love the trash guy. Something about it. Like it just goes away every week. Isn't that awesome? Look at it. He's working. He deserves a wage. And praise him for it. I cooked your delicious restaurant meal. Yes, you did. And... My compliments to the chef. Or, I performed heart surgery on you. Who gets the praise? The surgeon or the patient? Well, Vodi Bakum would tell you the surgeon this last week. Because the surgeon and the trash collector and the cook, they're the worker. They get the glory. They have something in that context to boast about. But the Christian before God is not the surgeon. We are always the patient. And we wake up on that operating table saying, Thank you, I trust you, Dr. Jesus. You're a lifesaver. Actually, you raised me from the dead. And I owe just gratitude. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. All glory goes to you. I have nothing to boast in but in your life-saving work for me. In your life and in your death. And in your resurrection, faith does not, true biblical saving faith, does not call attention to itself. But it calls attention to the object that it has faith in. It calls attention to the, to the expertise and to the grace and the goodness of the one that it trusts. And this is why the, the Judaizers in the first century church telling non-Jews who came to faith in Christ, you need to go on and you, to add works of the law, why that teaching is so serious and destroys the grace of the gospel. It is at its core, like, okay, thank you. I got a heart transplant. Oh, great cardiologist. And then you tell them, I'm thankful for that, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Once I get on my feet again in six months or so, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to paint the entire outside of your house. Free. And you'll thank me. I want you to thank me. Don't do that with God, ever. It's sinful. Oh, if you do, repent. He is merciful. 
It's legalism. Now, just one more question this morning, because it's right there in verse 31 of Romans 3. And that is this. Does the Apostle Paul mean that when, since Jesus is now come and the gospel's being preached, does he mean that the gospel came to destroy the law of Moses? Okay, let's pause. It is true. Since Jesus came, God, Christ, has set aside ceremonial and cultural Jewish laws. Like kosher diet, circumcision, washings, sacrificial system. Here's the question I'm asking. Did the gospel come and destroy God's moral commands? Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Honor your mother and your father, etc. The answer is no. Didn't at all. Look at verse 31. Do we then destroy the law? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith that we preach? Answer, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What I think Paul is driving at is that what the law of God requires, we will do if we pursue it with a heart of trust in Him. If we pursue it, in other words, by faith as those who are already justified, already declared right, with God, because we are united to Christ through that very first instant that saving faith arose in us. That's what I think he's driving at. If you respond to God's commands without a heart of trusting Him as the great physician, the doctor, the heart surgeon, but instead as if you I obeyed. I earned something from you. Thank you. Give me your goodwill and smile on me because I did X, Y, or Z. Then you've totally missed the point of the law, of God's commands. From a creator to the creature. What, what I mean is, look, hopefully, Hopefully most of you know uh, the Christian brother, Vody, Bacham, and he's only 52 and looked like he was going to, they were in fear of dying when he found out when he got home back to Africa, when he was here in America last month, that, that his, his heart was dying and out of the blue. And he's in America, he's at the Mayo Clinic, and he did go, and they did some procedure on him this week, it's looking Good. Keep him in your prayers. But now let's use him as an analogy. He obeyed. I, I, he obeyed the law of the doctors. When she, he finds this out, and his doctor in Africa, and you need to go to America, you need to get to America. What do I do? How do I get to there without dying on an airplane? He, Tell me what to do. He, he, he obeyed by... The other day, preparing the night before, he's going under anesthesia and they're going to do procedures on him. And he, he could have said, nope, I'm, I, I don't trust you. I don't want to do it. But he says, tell me. Let's fix this. 
It's obedience. But it is an obedience to which he gets zero praise. None. That's what the law always called for. And the moral law in the Christian's life as those who are already justified calls for. Trust me. I can see, the, I can see him saying, no, devotee, this is what we're going to need to do. With, whether the doctor would have said, trust me or not, it's implied all the way through. I know. I'm skilled. Trust me. The law was always a law of faith. It was never to be turned upside down. And for Vody to go around now as he keeps many of us informed and say, guys, see how great I am? I obeyed the doctor. Give me some kind of kudos. That's exactly what many do with religion and Moses all the time. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul did as a Pharisee. And we hear these words from Romans. You can turn there or listen. Chapter 9. Here's the Apostle Paul, starting with verse 30. What shall we say then? What's happening here? The gospel is going forth to Jews and to non-Jews. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, which is happening. Many more percentage-wise of non-Jews, Gentiles, hearing the gospel of Jesus are obtaining righteousness as a gift. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who religiously, you can see it, right? You can see it in Jesus' interaction, particularly with the Pharisees. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. Like a patient to a doctor. But they pursued it as if, and literally, it's a great translation from the Greek. As if, which is a way to say, it never was. As if it were based on works. Like an employee would perform his task to an employer. Biblical Saving faith removes any valid ground of boasting. Whether it is in a basically good person and a law-abiding citizen or the worst of horrific criminals. The childlike trust in the free promises of God's grace which have been purchased in the life and death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, can be had only by faith. Receiving it. If we turn away from all grounds of boasting, and we get made right with our Creator, as we have seen now these three weeks, by receiving, not it, there's no righteousness in this, but by receiving someone else's righteousness, God, who became a human being, and we receive His righteousness by faith alone. And then we go on living day by day by that trust in Him, that same faith in Him, we live in that freedom of the Holy Spirit. We live in the reality of those who have been and forever are justified. Then we will be changed. Slowly, 
ups and downs, but we will be being changed from the inside out. And we will begin to love the very things that the moral law of God requires. But not as works of merit, but as the fruit of faith. That's why Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, after arguing so strenuously that the gospel is justification by faith alone, plus nothing. And then, as he's coming towards the close of the letter, he says this to them. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But, what, here's a, what does count for everything is only faith working itself out in love. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the fruit. Don't ever make it the root. And the mathematical equation is hugely important to grasp. Faith equals justification. Equals sanctification. So, let me close saying this. There is within this race of ours, the human race, a default deception that is just embedded within most of us. So much of humanity, just, just every, I don't even want to, just pretend they're doing funerals. Go to funerals. You see it everywhere. And that is this, that we sinful human beings so easily go on assuming that by trying to live a good life, sinning a little bit less and particularly staying away from the big ones, we will earn our ticket to heaven. It happens, it's the core of all the major religions. Even if you want to get to nirvana or nothingness in the atheistic religion of Buddhism. It's there, but here's the thing. It is within many, many church-going people. They rest their confidence on the works that they have performed. And it's an empty, empty hope. Because we're all born into sin. We have all sinned. We have all incurred. We all deserve just punishment. God's law comes and it is mercy to us pointing out our sin. Pointing out our guiltiness. It was never meant to be used. His law is something to try to climb into heaven with. It drives by the work of the Spirit and the work of the law sinners to faith in the gospel, the promise of His righteousness, and the obliteration of all the sins because they have already been paid for. That's the gospel. Righteousness 
can never be achieved by trying to obey God's laws, by trying to be good. We should feel with the same passion Paul felt. I don't, I don't, I don't seek a righteousness even in my Christian life don't seek a righteousness of my own. But that which is from God. The righteousness of God in Christ. Which depends and comes by faith in my Lord, in my Savior, Jesus Christ. We can only possess righteousness by trusting in the righteousness of Jesus himself. His, not ours, to our account. His humanity. His life was lived in perfect obedience. Sinless humanity and it is made available to every soul who can hear my voice freely by faith alone which connects us to him and thus there is no boasting or the way Paul was saying and this is a big theme of the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, this boasting deal. I will boast in nothing but the cross of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you're good. As we heard this morning, while we were hating you in our sin, while we were yet unregenerated, while we were still devoid of the presence of the Spirit, you sent your Son. And Lord Jesus, you suffered and you died for us bearing the penalty for our sin. And you have granted to us new life. As we see next week, Lord, this beauty of no boasting in faith, which is a gift of you. We thank you for that. And as we close our time, would you continue to work this wonderful, deep, glorious gospel into our affections for the glory of your name. Amen.